You seem hungry. Good thing your table is ready with Fatterday Omaha. Fatterday Omaha. Eat this. Hey, this is Dave with Fatterday Omaha, and I am bringing a very special conversation surrounding a wonderful event uh, that I got a chance to to attend uh, from the House of Ba Foundation. You may remember from a past episode that we talked to Chef Jamil Batraore about House of Ba and uh, how he is uplifting immigrant chefs here in our Omaha area and providing a environment of not only training, but also normalizing uh, cuisines that Omaha and other areas may not be familiar with. And in addition to helping that familiarity, then not only reach diners, but also venues that maybe have some skepticism about uh, serving some type of food that they're not familiar with, which uh, blew my mind that that was even a thing. I didn't know venues would would do that, but that's that's probably a whole other discussion in itself. And uh, (laughs) our... um, Our topic for this evening, though, is this event that I got to attend, uh, which was the culinary capstone dinner for chefs that Chef Jamil has brought up through his House of Ba Foundation, which actually uh, we had talked about in our last episode uh, with with Chef Jamil received a grant from the Jacques Pepin uh, Foundation, which is super cool. Um, uh, Go if you don't know who Jacques Pepin is, go go check him out. And this dinner was wonderful. And it was a five course dinner plus dessert put on by uh, 10 plus wonderful people because there are a lot of people involved. But let's get to the two people that I'm going to be talking to, and there's going to be two voices you might be familiar with, and one is Chef Jamil Batraore. Chef, how are you? Doing fantastic. Thank you for having us again. And the other uh, melodious voice that that you will hear is Chef Brian O'Malley of Metropolitan Community College Culinary Institute. Chef, how are you? I'm wonderful, but with melodious, I feel like I need to maybe, you know put together kind of a jam band <laughs> to make I, this come out right. <laughs> any time I, I encounter both of you or your voices, uh, it usually leads to a, a smile on my face. Uh, there's a whole other event that I got to uh, meet you both at, at uh, Metropolitan Community College Culinary yes. Institute yesterday, but uh, that's, we, that might be a whole other episode on there. We're here to right. talk about this menu, and I, I sort of gave a description there, but uh, Chef Jamil, could, could you maybe from your perspective mm-hmm. how do you see or you know what what was this event in your words so this is the um capstone event like you said for our culinary students you know they've gone through uh uh the what we call immigrant culinary integration program mm-hmm. those are uh, immigrant refugees that have been here and uh, have aspiration to work in the culinary field but they don't know how to start where to go and stuff like that right mm-hmm. so our role is to meet them where they are and teach them something that's going to make them feel comfortable either continue on uh, like metro for example yeah. or either being employed by somebody to continue their um learning so the dinner is the capsule. This is where they get to show uh, what they've learned. Also, this is where they get to understand that they also can do this. They also can turn their culinary uh, heritage into something that is is, mm. is fine dining mm-hmm. or something that is, is what we think is the fine art or is what we are used to here. Yeah. Uh, like you said, uh, if you talk about this type of cuisine or this type of uh uh, and folks, people don't think that they can also produce something that can can be that well done, right? So mm. um, this is where 
they get to also believe in themselves and realizing it's possible. Mm-hmm. So that dinner was actually six course dinner um, that we had. We had to throw something in. Yeah. Uh, we initially promoted as five course dinner, but it ended up being six course dinner. So we had ten ladies from uh, Syria, Morocco, Sudan, Benin, Jordan, and uh, all of them came together to create um, this uh, uh, this this meal. That's wonderful. Yeah. And and you brought up a really good point that cuisines that you know maybe classically people don't think of as available in fine dining everything was presented in in a truly uh beautiful presentation beautiful tables and place settings wonderful preparation because of the tasting menu uh small dishes uh for the most part we'll talk about that lamb in a second because that was not a small small. dish (laughs) yes (laughs) but um and and chef ryan so you were actually uh the the mc for the event, so you you had a special uh, role in this as well. I was. I, I think that my role really though was to demonstrate how to approach a meal like that with wonder. Mm. I I wasn't there to explain things. I don't understand that cuisine uh, any better than anybody else in the room. Um, maybe that's not fair. I may understand it a little. <laughs> sure. Uh, but certainly, I have no expertise in the kind of cuisines that uh, we were uh, served that evening. Yeah. And so I, I really was honored to be able to act the student from Mm. the mic in a way that I hope showed uh, everybody that it's great to discover new and exciting and different flavors uh, after a life spent in pursuit of them. I mean, I've spent my whole life chasing down new things to eat, uh, much to my (laughs) uh, chagrin sometimes. (laughs) But that that was really the the great honor of the night was to uh, let a dish land and then be in wonder Mm. about what it was and then be talking with the table about it, asking Chef Shamil about it, asking other folks, you know, had they seen it before? Had they tried it before? Wait, isn't this like this other dish that we've had? Uh, it It was really an educational experience for all of us that night. There wasn't anybody in the room that had eaten uh, any uh, all of the dishes that yeah. were served that night. So there were some people that had eaten some of the six courses, right. but nobody that had uh, tried all of those things. And so that's a great room to be in, too, just a place where people are have set aside their prejudice mm-hmm. against flavor yeah. for a minute yeah. and said, let's go for it. As you said, you kind of took on a role of also ever the educator of heading back to the kitchen, checking in with the chefs that were back there and getting some some nuggets of wisdom, some detail that you then shared with mm-hmm. all of the diners on. You know, we talked about like the Yazzie Spice or um, I think it was the uh, maybe it's the uh, Kibe and maybe we'll talk about that. But there was one that was very similar to uh, and we'll get there. But like what I would think of is like an empanada. And I think you had mentioned that. Um, depending on the the country where you would typically get that dish, it might be an empanada, but somewhere else it might be a little different. And so you were able to present um, those things to us. And I I really appreciate that that uplifting of knowledge. And I think I've maybe had one dish prior to this meal that was on this menu. And so while the dish as a whole was new to my plate and some of the flavor combinations – were new to my palate. Some of the flavors were very familiar. Mm-hmm. And like when I first started really enjoying Indian food, the first time you have Indian food, if you've never had it, 
you may be unsure of the the spice combinations and flavors that are are coming your way. Mm -hmm. And as you eat it more, you build familiarity with those flavors. And now it's one of those things I start thinking about Indian food. I'm like, now I have to have it. Um, But the spices and things, they may be used in different ratios, combinations, or preparations, but cinnamon and, and cumin and, you know, all these different things. Paprika, you know, caraway yes. seed, you know, fennel, you know. Yes, yes you there, know. there, are, there are, are threads and elements of flavor yes. that may feel more familiar mm-hmm. um, that you can tie in in addition to experiencing a brand new dish. There's a reason that people have been cooking these dishes for hundreds or thousands or whatever of years because they're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> there's a there's a reason there. Um, so yeah, I, I guess uh, maybe before we start talking about the food a little bit, you know, sometimes on the show we say the conversation starts with food and, and leads to heart and soul. And, yes. and I, I might flip it a little bit and start with a little bit of the heart and soul. And so these these ten chefs that uh, that were helping create this meal. Maybe are there any details of, about those chefs that you might want to share that come to mind? Um, I know there was a range of personalities, and there was. one of the things that really warmed my heart was at the end of the meal. And I'm getting ahead of myself by quite a bit here, but was that they all came out and the thankfulness that I saw in people's eyes because I think they got like two standing ovations yes. uh, from from the tables. But the recognition that folks that maybe have never tried these things really enjoyed it. And we as diners were honored to be there. But please tell me a little bit about the chefs that were instrumental in making this happen. Yes. But first of all, I just want to thank Chef Randall Marley for, you know, making the time to come that day, you know. Mm. Like you say, you know, what a better person than him to actually be there and talk about this kind of food, you know. And that alone, I was telling the ladies that this is, uh, I guess you don't understand who Randall Marley is in Omaha, but, you know, (laughs) once you get to be in this room with all these people also that were there, you, you understand you making a difference. And you're right, some were tearing up after, yes. you know, we were and then they were incredibly um shocked and proud and they couldn't believe that they were able to produce something like this. Mm. Because for some of them it's also therapy. Mm-hmm. The first thing that I found is therapy. Oh, do tell. Yeah, because they've come from war zone. They're immigrant refugees. Yeah. Some of them are less than a year. Wow. And then cooking is what they know. Cooking is what they want to be part of. So when they come here and then can cook together, mm. and then you see how folks that don't speak. So we had uh, two uh, folks, uh, two ladies from uh, Morocco and Benin that can speak French okay. because, mm-hmm. you know, the ex-French colony. Yeah. And we have others that can speak Arabic. Uh-huh. So sometimes the one from uh, Morocco will translate to the one from Benin mm-hmm. and then vice versa. Mm. And then so they can That's tell awesome. other people. But you see this group, and they work together, and they're learning new things. Mm-hmm. They haven't tried cauliflower before because it's not something that they commonly use. Mm. And they trust me enough to uh, believe in what we're doing and changing. Mm-hmm. When we're making this meal, they had this family style in mind. Mm. They think, Chef, this is not going to be enough. I'm like, just just wait. <laughs> yeah, because they wanted to do it in a sense where they think, when we do this, like the pastilla in, in Morocco, yeah. that one is just like for six people. Yeah, but here because it's fine dining, we were able to break it down into portions. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have any idea at all what, how it's gonna turn out. Totally different and approach. Totally different approach. And then how it's gonna be, it's also a learning moment for myself. Yeah, I'm learning from these ladies. So again, like I said, the first time that we meet, we talk about it. What I see for me 
it's the therapy behind it. Mm. Talking together, sharing their story, and feeling like they're part of something. That's when you see that they would rather do this mm-hmm. than going doing something else where it's like working in meat park, meat, meat, meat parking mm-hmm. or factory or something that's not the calling. Mm-hmm. So, um, for example, the lady from um, Benin, mm-hmm. when I realized that she lives in Bellevue, and one day she was trying to get there, but she couldn't really figure out. And then she told me, okay, can you just talk to the guy? I was like, what do you mean? It's like my Uber driver. I was like, do you mean you Uber from Bellevue <laughs> to come to mm-hmm. this class? I'm like, why you didn't tell me that? Why you got to do that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can find a way to help you. She's like, well, because I want to be here. Mm. I mean, I was like, then that's when sometimes I realized that maybe this is meaningful. Maybe I don't understand how much people want this. Yeah. You know, um, but those moments are just kind of like what makes me feel like, you know, I, I'm glad that, you know, I'm part of this process, right? Yeah. Or whether you have um, some ladies that say, I can't come because my husband, you know, want me to um, just watch the kid and stuff like that. And another one say, my sister can watch the kids for you or my daughter can watch the kids for you. Mm. So you can come to this class. So that also, again, it tells you the camaraderie between those ladies, right? Yeah. None of them has worked in fine dining. None of them has worked in, in a restaurant. Uh, we've had some like from Ukraine that have worked in restaurants before, but all of them knows how to cook. Mm-hmm. So it's just being together. And then the, when they were tearing up, when they were telling people that please, uh, t- they were thanking people for, you know, giving them the opportunity to showcase this, which was to me it was like, I would think that people would be, the guests would be thanking them, but they felt like it was an opportunity. Yeah, and all of them at the end were like, "Chef, if you have an opportunity for us to work with you, we want that." Mm-hmm. So that's really what I'm trying to do. I want them to believe that it's possible. And I want them to share that with other people that it's possible. And if they can't do it themselves, their kid can do it. So we can have an Iraqi chef, a Somali chef, a Benin chef, Congolese chef that can also go out there and be part of this Omaha mm-hmm. food, you know, uh, uh, scenery that we have. You could just see it in all of their eyes, the thankfulness, and like you said, tearing up or whatever because the reception from the diners and and them looking out into the crowd and going my goodness these these folks that i don't know like my food mm-hmm. you know from my country or the food that i helped create as part of this family team mm-hmm. in the kitchen was just moving totally yeah. yeah the thing i saw that i hope the participants in the uh, cohort saw is that it was, I will say it was one of my favorite things about America yes. on display. Mm. People from all walks of life yes. mm-hmm. gathered together, openly wondering mm. about somebody else's life. Yes. And then mm-hmm. being receptive and celebrating what they got delivered. Yeah. Right? That these people that sat down, so I had a very wonderful table, but two of the guests at my table, I would classify as picky mm. eaters, right? Okay. I mean, yeah, sure. I'm, yeah. I'm friends with them. <laughs> yes. I've gone out with them many, many yes. times. Yes. And they're, uh, you know, uh, mm. kind of French fries and uh, hamburger kind of folks. Sure. And they got this uh, invite from me uh, and said yes and showed up. And I was certainly excited to see them because they're my friends. Certainly. But I was a little nervous. <laughs> wondering what they would think. And they left <laughs> overwhelmed. Like, mm. I don't think they're going to turn Lalibella into a, you know, regular yes, Tuesday yes, night dinner yes. now. Uh-huh. But I think they saw that there is magnificence in the world that they've never imagined. 
because yeah. of this. And that moment, like I've been around that moment for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I've had that moment many times in my own life. But in that moment where people see how big it really is, yes. mm-hmm. that there's somebody yes. from a war-torn village in a yes. country they couldn't find on a map. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that person can bring delicious to the table and give them something that is full of soul and satisfies them. Mm-hmm. It bowls you over mm-hmm. in a way that shows you the power of food, the power of cooking, the power of service, mm-hmm. in a way that was just happening over and over oh, that yeah. night with yes. every course. Um, I mean, it was amazing that we were all gathered together in the first place. Mm-hmm. It was amazing that the food all went off the way it did. I was totally blown away by these 10 people who've been together eight weeks. Yes, eight weeks. Oh, wow. That's eight it. Eight weeks, right. yes. That they've been together eight weeks wow. and they eight put weeks. together this six course. De- like, I mean, the <laughs> most discombobulated, screwed up thing of the night was me trying to MC on somebody else's computer. Like everything else went when we ran out of ice. I guess we yes. ran out of ice. Yeah, we ran out of ice. But aside from those two yeah. things, like the girls in the kitchen, the women in the kitchen putting this together, yeah. like they were nervous. Mm-hmm. They were totally, oh, totally shaking totally, in their boots. Totally. Sure. But it came out and landed beautifully yes. in a way that, so that piece of it is kind of side one of beautiful. Like that they pull together and make this thing happen. But the open heartedness and accepting and excitement coming from the guests, Mm -hmm. I was so proud to see it. Yeah. Because those are Omaha people sitting in that room and I'm an Omaha guy (laughs) and I want to see that Omaha's up for this. Yes. Right? I mean, it's probably the content of half of Chef and I's conversations is, is Omaha really ready to handle food at this level from this perspective with this kind of flavoring and I'm always like of course we are but then you put 80 people in the room and I was like ooh (laughs) 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 I hope we are yeah and And we were we were were, we were and then uh, your friend um, you know the lady she made sure to look for me at the end and she came to me and she said I just want to tell you my husband and I were just plain boring people when it comes to food Mm -hmm. but you changed our mind tonight Mm. I was like oh Thankful, you yeah. you made my night. If just you can say that, that's all that I need. That's all that I want. There's somebody to see that. Now you're more open. Now mm-hmm. you become an ambassador. So you so now you can tell people that no, just dare to go try it. Yeah, dare to go I mean, try you, it. it oh. I mean, it's at least a stand-up double. Can we make yes. baseball references in here? <laughs> go for it. Right. Go like if it. your goal was, we want to show these women that they can do something with this kind of value. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that absolute clean. Excellent. Thank you, Chef. But then that rounds to second because you, I know that you want to change people's minds yes. about food from elsewhere that they're not comfortable with. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yes. so we saw that happen too. Like yes. if if that's the mission mm-hmm. accomplished. Thank you, Chef. And that's that's what it is, truly. As Omaha, as foodie town as we are, mm-hmm. I, I didn't see it. I've been you know in this now since 2012. Yeah. Um, you know, graduate from Metro, you know, and then working three hotel in town, um, some catering company, and, you know, restaurant. But I haven't seen it yet, and I'm, I ask myself, when are we gonna see it? Mm-hmm. How long it's gonna take before we see it? Mm-hmm. So, what can I do? We saw it the other night. Yeah, we saw. Yeah, I, we I saw. think though, too, the the moments won't always get to be that well choreographed and dramatic. That it'll happen slower. Uh-huh. Yeah. That now, right now, somebody that was there 
will say yes to a work colleague that wants to go to El Basha for lunch. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then they'll go to, instead of talking them into Lighthouse yes. Pizza. Yes. That is no shade on Lighthouse Pizza. Yeah, no, no, no shade but, at all. Uh, you got to no, get your drive yeah. through slice. You gotta, right? yeah. <laughs> if, you're going, if you're going to 74th and Pacific, and those mm-hmm. are your two choices, uh, right? That somebody was always leaning towards, ooh, El Basha, I don't know. And hopefully they were there, and now they say yes. And then that leads to the next thing and the next thing. Like, ultimately, the water will heat up slowly. Mm. Indeed. indeed. And then we'll all just be indeed. <laughs> cooked. And that's all that I really want. You know, yeah. with El Basha or Zetuni, just people opening up all uh, Nina or uh, oh, uh, Okra, yeah. you know, or Lalibela or Muna. That's really what I'm, what I'm trying to achieve, right? If I may also share something, you talked about food and spice earlier. When we were making the um, uh, kibbe, yeah. When the lady wrote the recipe for kibbeh, they wanted seven spice that you have to get from uh, a Syrian store or a Mediterranean store. Mm. And I was like, okay, fine. You know, well, how about we do it with the yazi? Yeah. She's like, no, we only do it with uh, seven spice. I was like, it's okay. What is seven spice? Make your own seven spice. What are the, the yeah? What are the seven spices that you have? She's like, well, chef, I don't know. And then um, one of the other Syrian ladies said, just just try a little bit with the the meat and see what it is. And then I ran out because I had to go get something. When I came back, she's like, oh, chef, we tried seven spices. It's good. It's good. <laughs> I want the recipe now. I'm like, I was like, see, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Even as you cook in your own traditional food, yeah, you realize that. You can do something else to it that will taste the same. It doesn't have to be just that food from Morocco yeah. or that spice from Morocco, that spice from um, Syria. But if you look at it a little bit more, you will know that it's a spice combination. Yeah, You can create your own here because before they will think that I need to get somebody that's traveling from Syria mm-hmm. to bring that here. And I'm telling them you don't have to. travel to Syria too. Too, exactly. Travel to Syria it's too, a, exactly. The way I wish we talked about it better. <laughs> yeah. that instead of it oh, yeah. being yes. the traditional food of Morocco, mm-hmm. it's the food they remember from when they were in Morocco. Exactly. Because all the spices that we're talking about aren't from Morocco. No. Right? They're right. from elsewhere. Yes. They got to Morocco. That's where they like. It's Travel a, around. It's a yep. piece of agreed. Like as we authenticate things, right? That we give them this brand over them that calls them mm-hmm. Moroccan or calls them Syrian, Syrian, you know, calls them French, anything, you know what? I, yeah, it it robs them of their rich history. Agreed. In a way agreed. that's always dangerous. I mean, one of my favorite Moroccan dishes is shakshuka, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's made with tomatoes that are only five hundred years old in Morocco. Right, and so Morocco is much older yeah, than yeah. Shakshuka. Yes, yes, but it's hard. Like nobody thinks of five hundred years ago. This is the way it was. They think of how did my grandma make this? Sure, and, and that's all they know. That's the tradition. Yes, and I, I'm not knocking that. That is how the tradition gets handed to us. But we talk about it in a way that it gets owned with the entire history of mm-hmm. a place and a people that kind of steals its. <laughs> Identity as being connected to the rest of the world, and then you get stuck. Also, if you think that totally. way, and then you. This is interesting that you bring that part because the lady had a pushback mm. on how we were serving the food. Aha! Uh-huh. Because this is not how we serve the kibbeh. Oh, we we serve kibbeh with soup. We serve kibbeh with a, a light yogurt soup. I was like, well, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's we, a new we now. There's a new we now. <laughs> <laughs> and then just be open to it. And then at the end, they were like, okay, chef. As we're talking about now, I see it. And I was like. 
it's about serving the same thing but a different way but using the same ingredient we did have yogurt on the menu yeah with the kibble but we didn't make it soup we just made it puree and then just spread it on the plate so that's what i love also i get them to open up also mm. in almost every in, chance we have to embrace something yes we have to have let go. Yeah, we have to let go. Yeah, mm. yeah. Whatever it was, we, we had our arms wrapped I'm around. I'm telling you, yes. I was surprised when yes. I came back and then she, the, Amina was telling me that she was the one that said, "No, I need a seven spice." I'm like, "Well, you if you gotta think as a chef, right? And then don't think everything has to come from there, like you were saying. You can create it. It just go here and then do it. And then she said, now I'm like, okay, what do you think? She would call it seven spice, or she would call it yaji. She's like, well, I don't know, chef, but I like yours. I'm like, well. That's just what it is. And when we're plating, I had to kind of always tell them at the beginning of the class, I tell everybody, everything's fine until capstone. That's why I want you to trust me. <laughs> because when you come buckle to, up, buckle up, trust me. <laughs> yeah. Because trust me that I'm going to change, I'm going to push boundaries. Mm. I might just use something that you think, you know, used to, but it's really things that you have there, but you just didn't. Uh, you know, used to eating it or because you have to go to different region to get it. Yeah. So if you see me using butternut squash, it doesn't mean that they won't use it in Togo or Benin. But it's okay. It's going to go here with all this together. It's going to work. Yeah. So, and that's also the part where I, I'm amazed when they come back and tell me, oh, wow, chef. Okay. I see now what you're talking about. I can make this. That was like, yeah. So that's also the learning process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we just don't ask folks from here to embrace those uh, uh, cultural, mm-hmm. culinary, you know, uh, uh, techniques or food, but we also have to ask new American to embrace what America has to offer. Nina was talking about it today. Nina yes. Soji from yes. Okay. We were at an event today, and she's talking about how she wanted to make fufu when she first got here. Yes. Uh-huh. And there was no uh, yam flour. Oh, yam, yam flour yeah. here. Yes. Because yeah, she ended up having to like get stuff and I think she started her own grocery store at one point. She did. She yeah, she did that. Yeah. What she yeah. Right. yeah. But so in order to just be serving it at home yeah. and making her family happy for it, she just used instant potatoes instant and, potato- and some sugar yep. and some and so, and instant like potato flake and then cornstarch yeah. and then yep. a little sugar. Recreated that. Yep. And that was, trust me, that was close enough. And then if today I were to do the same thing because I want to serve fufu, I don't have to just, you know, be around the bush. I can call it fufu and I can serve it to you because it's still that food. That's your mm-hmm. version. Yeah, you yeah, can't be. Chef. One thing that I, I am proud of, you know, myself to do is that I don't just, you know, sit to myself in the boundary. Anybody tells you that when I say, I don't, I don't. I just tell people that food is food. The same way you want people to accept your food, you have to also know that food is food. You have to use everything that you have. It's going to change. Yes. If it doesn't change, it goes away like it ceases to be able to keep getting good good mm. get better mm-hmm. yeah. that that piece of it like that uh we talked about it that night that uh one of the principal dishes was a uh traditional uh, i think Ghanaese uh dish uh, yeah that oh a bit for me in aloko right yeah for, oh, aloko yeah. and so oh, we aloko. were talking about it yeah. that night that or yes. somebody at my table yes. asked if salmon was popular in west africa and i said <laughs> i don't think so but it's popular here and so if you're going to serve a dish driven by this kind of fish, then you should use what you could find in the place that you are. I mean, no no sensible chef would get somewhere and not use what was there and mm. abundant and available and then treat it with their skill set and their palate and their uh, taste memory, uh, if that's the same as palate. Mm. Um, but you wouldn't 
hold out for worse product that you ship in, <laughs> right? I mean, right. to get the fish they would use in Benin to pull this off is probably an impossible task. Yeah. It's going to be hard. Right. You know what I mean? You wouldn't get it fresh because the whole West Africa has, you know, the Atlantic Ocean. So there's a lot of fish. Mm-hmm. Sure. There's a lot of things, you know, sea bass, stuff like that. They might have, you know, or Chilean salmon, but there's a, there's, a, there's a dish that we usually eat with fish. Yeah. So, as you said, we're here in America, or we might be in France, whatever, but we could use, you know, catfish, we could use salmon, we could use cod, whatever it is that we have to use. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. You know, even the ladies, you know, they, they see that, oh, so I can I can also serve this that way. I was like, that's what you, what you need to do. Yeah. I do not want you to stop eating this because you can't find the same fish that we used to. You have to, you know, adapt and then use what you have. There's, there's wow, there's like, a billion things I kind of want to unpack there. Uh, going backwards, the last thing that you said, which I think is really important, don't stop eating the dish you like or preparing the food you like because you you don't think you can get whatever you need. Make it work. That's one thing. The other thing was, Chef O'Malley, you, you were mentioning you know, that Chef wants the best ingredients available. You don't want to compromise on quality because then you're compromising on, on flavor mm-hmm. and all those things. So um, in addition to maybe seasonality, what's the best thing that is in season uh, currently as well? So those those are elements. Also, I think uh, Chef Jamil, you had mentioned this too. It's like, you're a chef. The recipe is probably a guideline mm-hmm. somewhere. Yes, you may have a book of recipes sitting somewhere, but as a chef, you're probably in the kitchen and you're just making that dish as you see the need to create it. The other element that I that I think is, oh, is it On Food and Science? I'm trying to remember the name of the book. Harold um, McGee? Maybe so. Yeah, on big, Food and Cooking. Yeah, big, thick yeah. book. And, and part of the uh, uh, text within, too, is flavor compounds and elements of different ingredients that tie the ingredients together. So maybe you don't have ingredient number one, but ingredient number Mm. two may be able to provide the same flavor compounds, elements, molecules that may help you invoke the same feeling, flavor, experience. Mm -hmm. Chef Jamil, not only changing the minds potentially of the diners as we have discussed but the minds of the chefs on yes. that you can do this you can present it this and and you know stick to your convictions that it's okay for you as the chef to decide this is my meal mm-hmm. this is how i'm going to present my food it doesn't have to be what somebody might consider some textbook definition or or some webster's dictionary version of whatever make it yours indeed that is how we're going to be able to introduce this kind of cuisine in, in Omaha or in, in the in the places where they're not well known, right? Yeah. Because you have to also find the best way to do it. And if you're stuck in those moments or stuck in, in the old, I don't want to say in the traditional way of doing it, mm-hmm. you won't be able to. It's not like we're not serving authentic food. All of this are authentic food. It's just that we decided to play them differently. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah. We did not use any single ingredient that if you go to that country, they will not use. Mm-hmm. It's the same ingredient that we use where we just cook it differently. Even though we might not have, a, we, we do eat some more, some more, you know, in, in Africa, in, in, in West Africa, mm-hmm. you know, right? But it's not something that you see a lot of because yeah. when you go to fish, that's not what you get, but it's also a fish. So at the end of the day, it's the same thing. Right. When we're talking about this combination of how 
things come together and all that. That's also an intricate part of making this menu. Sometimes when I have all those students from different countries, I was like, how am I going to create this? How am I going to align this? Yeah. What is the way of putting all this together so it can flow? And having a six meal from Malawi, Syria, Morocco, Benin, Sudan, and finish with a Jordan dessert. Yeah. You know, you can only hope as a chef that, hey, this combination will work. And mm-hmm. sometimes we surprise ourselves. They lady themselves because they, they, it's, it's amazing. Because I'm telling you sometimes, um, two weeks before Capstone, we're still kind of trying to find out the best recipe, the best sure. way to carve this out. And then, you know, I'm, I'm always amazed at uh, when it turned out to be just like this, you know. Let's go through some of these dishes, and I, I'm sure we're going to have some organic uh, sidebars. <laughs> Chef Jamil Batraore, I may lean on you a little bit for uh, pronunciations because yeah. I, I am likely to not get them uh, in the best way, and I, I would like some help. So our, our first dish uh, was a soup. Yes. Um, from Malawi. Yes. It was f- okay. And this is futali? That's futali. Okay. So our ingredient loadout here, um, butternut, butternut squash, right? Yes. Sweet potato, yuca, yazi spice, coconut, and cream. So for our, our listeners here, so some of those might be a little bit familiar, but tell me a little bit about yazi spice. We've talked about that a, a little bit yes. a, a couple of times, but what, what is typically in that mixture or what is it? I think we talked about it the first time I was on this show. Yazi just is a spice blend, right? Everybody can have the yazi. You can have your own yazi. Chef Ryan can have his own yazi. This happened to be what my grandma taught me how to make. Perfect. And I think I mentioned this the first time I was on your show that the the beauty about these cuisines that we're talking about, like Indian cuisine, Asian cuisine, you know, Middle East, Africa, your spice blend depends on what you have on your uh, on hand. Yeah, on yeah, hand. Yeah. So if you don't have paprika that day, well, you cook without paprika. That alone creates a different flavor profile because you don't have it. Right. So you constantly make your spice as you go. Mm-hmm. So And every household has their own. Every children will grow and then differ from the mother. So that's what Yazi is. We call it Yazi in uh, Central Togo, uh-huh. in my mother's native tongue. But it could be called something else gotcha. when you go to South Togo, or when you go to Benin or Ghana. Yeah. So that's what I mainly use. That's the key. That's the curry. That's the spice blend. Okay. So in this case, we added Yazi to uh, the Futali, which in Malawi could be a breakfast or a lunch or a snack. Mm. It's not served as a soup, but I am the one that combined all this and turned into a soup because I was like, why not? It would be a good way to have this as a soup. Yeah. So would it normally be puree together? So it will normally be um, uh, peanut butter and then you have um, all this potato and, and, and coconut in it. In, so, the, in the peanut butter kind of. So you have the peanut butter paste or peanut butter butter, peanut butter actually and then you actually eat uh, the yuca and all that kind of that will just be solid in it okay. that you will eat. It will not be blended and puree service. It was delicious the way that you served it. And I Thank you. And, and, and then we kind of put a little smokiness in it because we wanted to just... Because yeah. I, I thought that that day was a cold day. It was There's no was way. Oh There's no way that you cannot have a soup. I, I wanted, remember we joked that, when we ran out of ice. <laughs> no one yeah. will care. <laughs> Go outside and hold drink out of the door. Yeah, we went to start the, the, the evening with our soup and then I, I heard everybody, uh, people, you know, it was well received, you know. Yes. I was pleased. The two things that stuck out to me. Well, first of all, if you came into this and read butternut and you're thinking of butternut squash soup you're you're right on the mark and 
the two elements though that stuck out to me that I really loved was I loved the texture. It was thick but velvety and mm -hmm. perfectly smooth and wow on a cold night you couldn't beat it. The other thing was the level of heat mm -hmm. that was in there was perfect. It, it did not blast you out of your seat but boy did it just warm you up a little bit and let you know that you were alive it was very very delicious i have to say i did i don't put everything in the description right there so we did put a little drop of shito in there so that's what gave it that little bit ah. she does like south african hot sauce though to give it a little bit that heat you know ah, yes. ah gotcha it, it was great and, and a, what a great way to start start the meal and uh get everybody sharing some some soup at the table our second dish was from Syria. Yes. And this was the kibbeh. Yes. And so from our description here, uh, wagyu, ground beef, lamb, bulgur wheat, right? Yes. Onion and kamune. Yeah, kamune spice. Spice yes. and herbs. Herb, yes, be, yes. Yeah, kamune spice. So tell, so tell me a little bit about this dish. So we decided to use a wagyu here because, you know, hey, we're in Nebraska. Why not use a wagyu? Why not? You know, ground beef to elevate this dish, right? Yeah. And this was done in traditional way. This Syrian lady, this is this, this from Syria. So, the, the making is, is, is a process, honestly. Like, it's, and they mold all this by hand. Yeah, and so this this was the one that to to me most invoked the feeling of like an empanada is what I, mm -hmm. I thought. Yeah, of. yes, yeah. because it was stuffed with the ground beef. Yes, and then stuffed with the, uh, all the other stuff that was inside. You know, so the bulgur is grounded. You grind, you grind all that, and then uh, you put we're using the uh, like uh, our pestle. Actually, yeah, monopressor, but here we had to use the um, Vitamix and then attachment to grind all that together. All right, and you okay. use also an attachment, you know, to mix all of them together. So uh, we, we, we got the um, uh, the Wagyu beef meat, and then we ground it ourselves to kind of make our own ground beef, right? And then mix everything else, and then the mold, they have this attachment that uh -huh. uh, push uh, as almost like you stuff in a sausage. Oh, okay. And then it comes out, and then they mold all this together. Gotcha. So they will serve kibbeh with the soup. They will serve kibbeh with the broth. They will serve kibbeh with uh, uh, just like something that they will eat with a, a, a big meal. So we went into just put that because I've never had kibbeh before. That yeah. was my first time having a kibbeh. Amazing. That was my first time serving kibbeh. Wow. wow. You know, but I was just like, how can I enhance this? How can yeah. I put this out, right? And then we did a uh, little vinaigrette with uh, olive oil and then uh, orange uh, mm. Orange juice. Oh, and, there was, uh, was there a zest? On yeah, top orange zest on top of that yeah. as well. Yes. Yeah, because was, I, yeah. I had uh, the bulgur wheat. The grind that you had on it yes. was a good size, so it didn't get lost in there. But mm -hmm. yet, it was small enough that it wasn't distracting. Yes, built in. just to give you something. Yes. And, yeah. And I remember as I because I think I cut it open with my fork, and a little bit of that orange zest kind of fell in, and mm -hmm. so I got a bite that had that that kind of orange hit there, too. Yes. I'd, I'd snack on a dozen of these things. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, keep it was good, you know. I, I think I, the night of, I voted that they should be available in every baseball stadium. You did. Right? Yeah, yes. you yeah. did say that, they because should. it was just so good, and I, I didn't get to eat them until after the oh. event. Honestly, it was something that I was surprised. It's almost like a, a falafel. Sure. You know, but... A falafel meets a runza. Yeah. Uh -huh. Meets a spiced Ooh. loose meat sandwich. Yes. Okay, you right? go somewhere now, Chef. Right. You go somewhere now, Chef. browned out before. Like, mm -hmm. I was fully expecting that the meat and bulgur would be formed raw, mm -hmm. then breaded and fried. Yeah. But for sure... The meat was cooked, and then, like, the bulgur got added to that, cooked, and that bound that all together. Then that gets formed, then breaded. Am I right? And the key thing is, though, what she does here that is so amazing is that 
you have to use some of the meat when you grind the burger. Oh, that they're grinding together. Yeah, some of oh, it. So, so it's a process. So almost like making a sausage. Yes. Making a blend of... Exactly. Okay. That, so that, was, that blew my mind that ah, you hmm. create that ahead of time. So there was one person that was uh, um, vegan, so we had to make this separate. We did not sure. put um, the, the meat in there, but when I tasted it, it wasn't the same for me. The fact that you have to do ground beef mm-hmm. or ground meat completely and also add some meat into the... Bulgur the burger, wow! As it grinds, and it has to be lean, lean, lean meat. Yeah, you it's know, going in with the lamb. Yes. Got so, it. so, wow. so, so it helps you when you uh, uh, bind this together. Yeah, it helps you when you put it because, as like I'm saying, it comes like a sausage. You know, so yeah. when you put all the thing, and then you have to, it's an art to be able to do that, fold this and put it down. You, you wasn't this right, lady you doing know it. The sausage case yes. sitting on the end either. I, gotta... I tried one, and I was like, uh-huh. no, you know, I'm just gonna let you do this. You know, I won't be able so, to. So. so, so okay, okay, so, so did they actually have the 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 pastry under the the we'll say extruder um, as and you're no. you're holding it and then folding. So the, with the attachment, it comes out uh-huh. like a casing. Okay, and then. She just like uh, uh, mold the bottom part and then just put the meat inside and oh, then fold it back together. Wow. Got yes. It. Wow. You know, so, I mean, she wanted to serve that in that shape form. Sure. But I think we can also make it like a croquette. Yes. If, you know, we, sure. there were so many things that we could do to make it easy, you know. Uh, 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 from, the yeah. form was great. Yes. Too small to be, you know, snack size. A snack size, yeah. Yeah. Size, I mean. yeah. But um, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It I'm, was the star of the night for me as far as, Something I was unprepared for what it was going to be like. Yeah. It was amazing. It was, I wow. mean, I, honestly, when I had it uh, myself afterward, because the, what I had in mind was just serving the kibbeh. I was like, and I started reading this, research, and I was like, well, you have kibbeh with a yogurt, you know, like it almost like a soup kind of like, oh, the soup. Why not just do a com- uh, So we did actually add some roasted uh, eggplant that we fold into the yogurt. As well mm. to oh, give you something, yeah. Yes. So we did because I want to add the element and put a little bit of eggplant on top of it also. So so those are just things that honestly, chef. Up until those days, like I don't know how it's gonna be, and yeah. it's me playing with food from those areas and stuff like that. And that's what I love about this: that the creativity of how this works, and then what how it turns out to be. And then uh, I'm just amazed. And it tells you that food is food. Because yeah. if you ask me two months ago. How I will serve this kibbeh, I will tell you, I don't know. Sure. <laughs> I, I never had a kibbeh before. Yeah, yeah. But every time I do these capstones, every dish is, is the first time that I'm making it. That's because awesome. I rely on the class. You're learning from them too. I, I'm learning a lot from them. I'm learning a lot from them. And I always learn so much when I talk to chefs and, and folks behind the food. And this was such a great opportunity to learn. And we're kind of winding down on this part one of my conversation with Chef Jamil Batraore of House of Ba and Chef Brian O'Malley of Metropolitan Community College Institute for the Culinary Arts. We only really got to Malawi and uh, part of Syria on uh, this first part. We still have Morocco, Benin, Sudan, and Jordan to go on part two. So listen in to the show next time around so you can hear part two of this conversation. The dialogue with these two chefs is just just fantastic. I, I love talking with these guys, and I was so blessed by the food that these 10 chefs, 10 women that brought their cuisine and put it forth in a, a fine dining 
way and presentation that might have been a little tough for them because some of these dishes aren't served that way. They're served in a, a family style is how they're they're kind of used to preparing these. And so Chef Jamil had to pull them a little bit out of their comfort zone. And some of the diners may have had to get out of their comfort zone a little bit by trying these dishes that maybe they haven't had before. And that combination of efforts by the chefs and the diners then took those comfort zones and made them into a common comfort zone through food where things were comfortable. Uh, Brian O'Malley says, delicious wins. What a great statement. And that happens time and time again. I, you know, one of the things with this show is food is a connection point. Everybody has to eat. And so I, I love the fact that food can bring people together around a literal table around a food-based discussion. It's a wonderful thing. And these flavors and ingredients, sweet potatoes, onions, ground beef, chicken, black-eyed peas. You know, we in the U.S. feel, I think, some of these dishes may be something we haven't experienced before. But really? Haven't you experienced some of these flavors? So these elements and ingredients then combine to make a different dish. There's a reason that chefs make this food and have been doing so for long, 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 long time because it's tasty. Also, before we sign it off on the show today, I wanted to give you a couple of options since, you know, you've been listening about wonderful food from countries that maybe you haven't been to. So you can travel to a different country through food. And I'm going to give you a couple places to try. Uh, we've done a couple of episodes uh, about some of these restaurants. Just a quick overview. Uh, one is Okra African Grill head chef Nina Soji. We've had her on the show. She's absolutely wonderful. You may remember her story talking about how the spices and seasoning, she, she couldn't find them uh, when she started cooking here. So she actually opened a, a grocery store <laughs> to get those things. But she has her own restaurant, Okra African Grill. It's located at 608 South 72nd Street in Omaha. Uh, it's a fast, casual atmosphere so you can order like a buildable and you can get your base of food like a good jollof rice a red rice a tomato ensconced rice and pick your protein on there you can get things like chicken steak lamb i really like the kebabs you can get uh, shrimp veggies then you have your choice of sauce there's a peanut butter sauce tomato sauce spinach sauce if you're ordering there too and you get the chance try the ablo it's a little rice dumpling a little chewy, just kind of a nice accent to your meal. Go see Chef Nina and, and tell her Fatterday Omaha sent you. Uh, <laughs> it's really delicious food. Also, we're going to talk about real quick, Lalabella. Lalabella is a great Ethiopian spot. They are located at 4422 Cass Street, so right off of Saddle Creek there. They're tucked away just a bit, but uh, not, not too hard to find. Great parking, great food. Um, the food is served on injera, which is a type of bread made from a grain called teff, and it's a it's a sourdough. And when you get your food, you get this giant piece of teff, which is very thin but very large in diameter. And your food is actually sitting on top of the injera, and so you can rip a piece of this injera bread off and use that as your utensil to grab your food. 
If it's your first time there, I might recommend trying the combination. Uh, you'll get all sorts of things like lentils and cabbage and stews. Doro Wat, I believe, is the type of stew that is served with the combination platter. Uh, I believe you kind of get like a spicy egg in there as well, too. Some of the things will be a little hotter than others, but not everything is spicy from a capsaicin tongue-burning standpoint. This is going to be flavorful. That's one of the things you'll hear in part two. Also, we're talking about all these wonderful flavors and combinations. So do give Lalabella a try. Also, I'll mention two places that I actually haven't been to. They're actually in close proximity to Lalabella. One is Lucy Ethiopian Coffee. Uh, I have heard good things about this place. If you get a chance to go, give it a try. Send me an email at fatterdayomaha at gmail.com. Let me know how it was or uh, DM me on your choice of social media network. We're, we're probably there. And let me know how it was. The other one is Huyo's Kitchen. They are located at 1016 Northwest Radial Highway. Also pretty much within earshot of Lalabella. Uh, they are tucked away a little bit more in a, a strip mall there, kind of by Salween Thai. Great Thai place if you get a chance to go get some drunken noodles. Anyway, again, I have not been to this place yet. They uh, say that they have Somali, Mediterranean, and East African dishes. Give them a try. Again, let me know how they were. So uh, just some great experiences to be had. There's a lot of wonderful food that is in our Omaha area. And sometimes you just gotta gotta look for it a little bit. It's not all located in a a central hub, but things are here for you to experience within Omaha. And I hope that this conversation shows that you can connect through food. That common touchstone again is something absolutely wonderful. I was very blessed to be at the House of Ba Culinary Capstone dinner and experience a very cold night outside, but a very warm and inviting evening around a table, meeting new people and meeting new food. If you've enjoyed this conversation, I hope you have. Please join us for part two, where we will get into those dishes from Syria. We're gonna finish up the Kibe, Morocco, Benin, Sudan, Jordan. So as we say, until we eat again, stay hungry. Stay Fitzarco. We'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Our show is recorded and produced by Fatterday Omaha. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, as well as email fatterdayomaha at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and stay hungry. Fatterday Omaha. Eat this.